Guys, I just want to say it's so awesome to worship alongside you guys. Like that's what me and Lincoln, if y'all saw saw us right there uh, talking, Lincoln goes, "Hey, that was pretty good." I was like, "Yeah, that was freaking awesome." I love to sing and worship alongside you guys. But last week we started a series called Just Christmas, and we're talking about just Christmas. Like we even got the lights and all the fancy setup, right? It's just going to be about. Christmas. And today we're going to have a little bit different look at this Christmas story, but I just want to acknowledge Anaya rocked it last week, didn't she? She did an awesome job giving the message. So yeah, you can clap for her. Um, unfortunately, she was exposed to someone who had COVID, so she's not here today. But she did super awesome, super proud that I have leaders on this team, that we have so many different talents and personalities and gifts among our adult leader team and our student leader team that they can come and share those, just like Isabel in Lincoln already did. But last week, and I led us through looking at some of the prophecies and how these were declarations of Jesus. But why did it matter? Why did these prophecies matter? Because these prophecies brought validity. They brought credibility to Jesus, that Jesus is God, not just man, but our Savior and our King. And because of this, because of this when Jesus says, hey, you have a new life, you have a new identity, that's true. But this week, I want to talk through why we actually celebrate Christmas. So let me ask you that question. Why do we celebrate Christmas? And some of you are like, crap, I better not get this wrong because that'd be embarrassing. But why do we we celebrate Christmas? Oh, y'all are raising your hand. Look how he raised his hand, Abigail. Yes, Landon. The birth of Jesus, that's exactly right. So y'all give it up for Landon, he's so smart, right? (laughs) So, we celebrate, Abigail's like, oh, I'm never coming back here. But, um, so we, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? That's why we celebrate Christmas. But why does that matter? Why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus? I mean, my birthday is July 28th, and not everyone in the entire world knows when my birthday is. You know, if I were thinking, Tucker, you're not that cool of a guy. Well, neither are you, so whatever. But, no, seriously, how, why are our birthdays not celebrated by nations on everybody's calendar? Why is the birth of Jesus so important? Why does the Bible even document this? Why does the Bible talk about this one event thousands of years before it happens? So the question is, why Jesus? Why do we celebrate Jesus? See, I honestly believe that if we kind of just hung out on the birth narrative that, and don't crucify me when I say this, but we kind of lose some of the significance of Jesus. If we're so focused on that, this season is about the birth of a man 2,000 years ago. I think we kind of lose focus on the importance of it. There has to be something else. Like I said, my birth, your birth is not celebrated across the globe. There has to be something else to this story. There has to be something else to Jesus. There has to be a reason we celebrate the birth of Jesus at church, in our families, Heck, we even have two weeks off school because of this, right? But I believe to answer this question, we honestly have to go all the way back to Genesis to answer it. But before I'm going to do that, I'm going to pray. 
So, God, we love you. We thank you for this time just to, to get into your word, to see, God, just the life and the, and the grace that is present in your word, God. God, I pray that we, these next few moments, our men, Holy Spirit, take over. Do what you need to do in this place because um, we acknowledge that you are here. So, God, man, let your word pierce our hearts, God. We love you. We pray these things. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, I kind of want to go all the way back to Genesis 2, Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. And a lot of us, if we've ever grown up in church, if we spend any time in Sunday school, in life group, we've kind of heard this story before. And the scripture is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And it says this, the Lord God placed man, placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So backstory for those of us who don't know this story, this is the creation account. This is how God created the heavens and the earth. And in one of the days, he created this man. He created human from the dust of the ground, and he breathed, and the man had life. And this man was placed in this garden to tend, to watch over it. And this man, this human, was given one command. God, said, God actually said, hey, man, you have everything you'll ever need, but don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's it. Because if you actually study the story of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you can actually see that Adam and Eve are actually in the physical presence of God. They are in direct presence of God, much like heaven will be like. So Adam, this, this man, this human, he's created, and God said, don't eat of this fruit. And then God said, hey, man, it's not good for man to be alone, right? So he creates Eve, and there's this partnership between them. But there's a serpent that comes into the story, right? And that's where Genesis 3, verse 1 starts. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really save you? Or did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that we're not allowed to eat. So Adam and Eve already know this command, right? They already know what God said, right? But in verse 4 it says, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it, gave her, gave, it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. So again, a lot of us know the story. This is what in the Bible um, scholars call the fall of man. And that's just a very churchy way of saying this is where sin entered into the world. And we see the rest of the story, like God comes, or Adam and Eve, they feel shameful, right? They're like, oh man, we did something we weren't supposed to do. Like, what do we do now? So they go hide, and God says, where are you? Which is kind of a crazy question, because God created everything. He knows exactly where Adam and Eve is. But he gave Adam and Eve the um, possibility to possibility to confess, but instead they hid, they blamed each other, and then they revealed to what was really going on, the sin issue. The sin 
is what is the issue. Adam and Eve sin. And for some of us, we hear this word sin, and I don't think we really grasp what truly sin is. See, what sin is, is in the context of Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, God said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve said, hey, I've heard this, but I want what I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what looks delicious to me. I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want because what sin is truly is, sin is elevating ourselves at a higher position than we have God in our life. Sin is saying, I'm more important than what God has to say, than who Jesus is. And when this happens, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. See, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because God cannot be in the presence of sin. God hates sin. God doesn't hate his children. God doesn't hate those of us in Christ. He hates our sin. See, Adam and Eve, their life was based on their decisions, on their wants, on their motives, and they were trying to produce the life they wanted. They were elevating themselves above God. And you're probably thinking, man, Tucker, I don't do that. I don't really elevate myself before God. You may not elevate, you may not want to say you elevate yourself, but man, travel baseball, your academics. Again, all these things that Anaya mentioned last, last week, these things are not your identity. These are things that we are elevating, and at the end of the day, it's us elevating ourselves before God, and we are living for self, for ourselves. And that's sin. But still, that does not answer the question, why do we celebrate Jesus on Christmas? In fact, if that was the end of the story, it wouldn't sound like Christmas is worth celebrating, would it? Like, man, it sounds like I'm an awful person. And the reality, if you look at Scripture, dude, if God, God hates sin because it wrecks his children. But again, why does that matter? That's, that doesn't make me feel good. Because that's not the point of it. The point is not to make you feel good. The point is not to glorify or justify your sin. The point is not to be tolerant of our sin. The point of what Adam and Eve and what God through Jesus expresses is what requires, what sin requires. The consequences of sin. See, sin requires a death. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they felt shameful. And when we sin, we felt shameful. So you want to know what God did? God created clothes for them so they, he would take their shame away. He made clothes out of animal skin, and the only way you can get animal skin is by killing something. A death happened to Adam and Eve for their shame to be taken away. See, in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul like he compares the two. He compares what the kingdom of self, what living for my desires, what living for my motives, living for my success 
on the baseball team, living to get these grades so I can get into these classes in high school, so I can get to this college, so I can get this job. I mean, it's just a pattern, right? It's just a chain reaction. So Paul, he, he compares the two. He says, hey, this is what living for self looks like. And he actually uses Adam, compares, to, here's what living for Christ looks like. So he says this in Romans chapter 5, and if you want to flip there in your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen, but I am going to hang out here for the rest of the night. So it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. And this law that he's talking about is the uh, Mosaic covenant, this Mosaic law that comprises a lot of the Old Testament that he gives Moses. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. See, the consequence of sin, the result of sin, is death. And death is an eternal separation from God. Death is a byproduct of sin. See, death has been brought to humanity because of sin. Death, death is a direct result of sin, the original sin, past sin, and our sin. See, Adam was the head of physical humanity. He was the first man created. He was made perfectly righteous. But because of his sin, he forfeited his righteousness, and now death had entered into the world. And all of us are guilty of this. Not one single one of us is not guilty of this. It says, verse 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam sinned, brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Every one of us has sinned. And the punishment of our sin is eternal separation from Jesus, from God, from the Holy Spirit. That is what sin does, the end result of sin. But the end of verse 14 says, Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. And then verse 15, But there's a great difference between Adam's sin, a huge difference, a great difference between Adam's sin and, a God and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to us being made right with God. Even though we are guilty, even though each one of us has sinned, even though we don't um, deserve this, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of righteousness for all who receive it. We'll live in triumph, we'll live in victory, over sin and death through this one man, 
Jesus. See, because of our sin, we are on a road destined for destruction, for death. But man, there is a great difference between our sin and God's grace. Sin leads to death, separation, and condemnation. But grace leads to forgiveness, being made right with God, and righteousness. And even greater, even greater than sin, than death, than hell, than evil, is God's wonderful grace. Doing God's grace is, is going to the cross on our behalf. The cross was a one-time, all-for-all, taking on the punishment of past, present, and future sins. That was accomplished once and for all on the cross. See, Jesus died our death, and we deserved that cross. We deserved that death because Jesus was crucified as an innocent man for guilty people like me, for guilty people like us who have sinned. Jesus didn't sin. He was even tempted. But Jesus lived in complete submission to the Father and did not sin. Jesus died our death so we could be made right in God. See, God's wrath, God's complete wrath was taken out on Jesus. Jesus was the object of our was, was the object of God's wrath so we could be the object of God's grace. Our punishment was inflicted on Jesus. And dude, you wanna, if you want to study the crucifixion story, Jesus actually says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? It's because Jesus became our sin, so he was, a, he was separated from the father in that moment. That is the magnitude of what Jesus has done for me, for our life group, for our family, it is all credited to Jesus. And because of that, we are made right with God. Not how many times we come to church, not how good of a life we live, not how many times we even study our Bible. It is by God's grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are the righteousness of God. It is only Jesus. And then in verse 18 through 20, it says, again, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. It's all Jesus. Jesus is the one who has brought us righteousness, complete salvation, and a right relationship with God. It has always been because of Jesus and will always be because of Jesus. We were separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus took on that punishment of our sin so we could be in right standing, so we could be now, now innocent in the, sight of Christ, in the sight of God because instead of our sin, because we're in Christ, 
God sees Christ in us. For it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? And we have life. Life abundantly, life to the fullest. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because the one who accomplished all of this gave up his divine privileges, entered into humanity while still being fully God, died a criminal's death while being completely innocent, and resurrected three days later to prove his godship and to put an end to death. Because that man was born. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas because that's when salvation showed up. And you guys are going to have much more in-depth conversation with your life group. But before that, let me pray for us. God, we love you. We thank you for giving us life. We thank you for, man, Jesus, for going to our cross. That is what we deserve. That's what I deserve, Jesus. But instead, Jesus, you took my place. You were the one who experienced my death because of my sin. So I can experience life eternally with you, Jesus. God, I'm not, like, I'm not going to blow smoke. I'm broken. I need you. I'm in desperate need of you, Jesus, every single day. Because you're the one who gives grace. You are the one who gives life. And God, I thank you that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in you, Jesus, alone. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.